Hello everyone, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal or even extreme metal. Coming up on this week's show we've got the latest news from the likes of Baby Metal, Ishan and The Mighty Tool, apparently. Uh, new music as well from the likes of Man of War, Frank Carter, Outsnakes and Sabaton, or new music announcements. And the album reviews for this week for the, the modern day stuff. Uh, Karanir and Mark Morton with his solo album. And for Open Mic this week, it is finally here of Seismic Consequence by Yakuza. But as with every week, we will start with the news. And if I'm honest, I feel like the last few weeks, although it's been quite middling, it's been quite sad. But there's just some good news this week. I'm also dying because I've just ate cereal, so excuse me. <clears throat> Baby Metal, there we go, have confirmed that a new album will be out later this year. And that's literally all the details they've got. There's no name, there's no... They have released a song, I can't remember what it's called, but it's not confirmed that's going to be part of the album yet, or that's just a standalone, but we'll find out. And it's going to be the first album since the departure of Yui Metal, who was the quote-unquote lead single... Uh, lead single? Lead singer of the three girls. So it should be interesting. I don't know if they're going to do trade-off. They're going to get someone... I don't think they're going to get someone new in. I feel like they would have like announced it by now, especially because they've called it as like a new chapter, a new era for the band. Um, like Siren of the Seven Gods, something like that. And I feel like with that, they would have like put in the new singer then. But oh well. Ishan is also planning something in the in the studio. He's being a lot more cryptic than Baby Metal, though. Um, all he said on his Instagram is finish recording hashtag part one of my next project. And that's it. Uh, I looked at the comments and there's people questioning if it's that project that Matt Heafy from Trivium was talking about a few years back. I don't think it will be. Purely because when all that was coming out, so the, if you're unaware, Matt Heafy, lead singer of Trivium, has been wanting to do a black metal project for ages. Um... And out of everyone I know who wants to do that kind of thing, or everything I've ever heard about people want to do a black metal kind of project, I think I'm more comfortable with Matt doing one because I think he understands it's not just a gimmick, as like twee as that is to say. But apparently, in, well, I read in an interview that he had a chat with Ashan once, and Ashan basically said, don't do it because of that. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to say you're doing it for a gimmick and not so much because you know what it's all about. And Matt completely understood, he took it on board, but people, quite, I think quite rightly, because I was being interested by uh, Ishar and Heafy collaboration. And uh, they've been saying that it, this is the project, but who knows. Uh, the fact he's called it a project and not an album intrigues me. And I also don't think it'll be a new Emperor album, so yeah, keep I'll keep my buddling eyes on that. I don't know what buddling means, I made it up. And because this is coming out, a little bit later, I do apologise, like I said on social media, my time management this weekend has been shit. There is some bonus news that came out after what I should have, the time I should have recorded. And the biggest one, I think, is the fact that Tool, I think, have confirmed there will be a new album out this year. Uh, the website I looked at basically went, exploded, and just said, Tool are definitely releasing a new album this year. It's going to happen. I don't care what you say, it's going to happen. And the part of me, a cynical part of my head, is very much the case of Tool like doing these little teases and these trolls and just basically the fuck yous. 
all they've basically done is post on Twitter their tool logo with the Roman numerals for 2019 on there. So it's I can see why, but also I've read and heard about how tool would like to be dickheads as well. So who knows? Uh, that's it for the news. In terms of new music out, uh, Frank Cantor and have a new song called Anxiety. It's part of uh, End of End of Suffering. Excuse me. That's coming out the third of May. This is a. I try for various reasons not to connect emotionally to music, which is a really daft thing to say, considering I'm trying to like review music. But like I've read loads of things where people say the music changed their life or music saved them from a very dark place and this, that and the other. And for them, I'm not saying I don't do it because I think it's dumb. I'm te- I've got my own reasons, but if it works for you, fucking all power to you. But for one reason or another, I like stay away from that kind of thing. I just like to enjoy music for what it is. But this song Anxiety really did get to me because it's... A personal song I've like followed Frank on social media for a while and he does talk about he's quite open with his mental health um, and the lyrics of the song are very much there oh, we go along the lines of why am I so stressed when I've got everything I should be so blessed oh like more blessed than others whatever it is basically saying that he should be a lot happier than he is because of what he's accomplished and what newspapers say and what newspapers fucking webzines and that such shit he should be like really up and chirpy because he's got all these successes and then actual fact frank i think by his own admission has gone has been bad he's been i think reading about great britain he said he wrote that at his lowest at that point and Paul Bloke has gone for some trials. I'm so glad he is still making music. And so far, End of Suffering, it sounds completely different again to what... I do think it sounds a lot different to uh, Modern Ruin. It sounds a hell of a lot different than Blossom, but I'm looking forward to it. I don't think there'll ever be <clears throat> excuse me, an album that Frank is part of that I won't enjoy because I've got that kind of hero worship. So, and Plus, we mildly stroke faces at a gig once. So, you know, the little, the little things, the little things. Uh, Man of War, like, moving on from rank. Man of War, another band that I have... Oh, I'm not sure I can say this anymore, considering what everything happened with Carl Logan, but I really enjoy Man of War. They were the first niche metal band I ever got into. Like, everyone grows up... If you get into alternative music, like, the big bands get you into it, like Metallica, Guns N' Roses, Iron Maiden, for more rock sort of stuff, it's, like, your Green Day... Some 41, Blink-182, da-da-da-da. For people who end up going, like, venturing deeper into music, particularly heavy music, I don't think there's, like, a real clear-cut thing. You can recommend to people. If someone come up to you and said, uh, can you recommend me a band so I can get into, say, or just heavy me- like heavier metal in general, you can usually pick out a lineup. But if it's organic, it's usually quite weird. And for me, the organic one was Man of War. Like, I played in my car when I was growing up. Uh, the Gods of War album, and I can, I f- still, from time to time now, play it from start to finish. It's fucking golden. Um, I've been, having said all that, I've been really disappointed with the last few 
output. So remade, remastered, Battle Hymns and Kings of Metal. And the... I wasn't a fan of production. I'll happily admit it. I don't think the mix was very good. I don't think they needed to... Maybe remake Battle Hymns, because that's the first album that came out, what, 81, 82? Don't need to touch Kings of Metal. I think that is a gem of an album. Possibly one of my favourites of all time. But they are... Continue down the road. Also, oh, is it Hammer of the Gods that they did? Again, their... Production... I forgot the word. The production on that wasn't great. I think the last thing I properly enjoyed was their Thunder and Sky EP, and that was some years ago. That was, what, 2011? Either way, they are continuing down this remaster route because they are on their final tour. And so they're redoing Into Glory Ride, which I believe was album number two. That's been called Into Glory Ride Imperial Edition 2019. And they're also doing Hail to the King. Hail to the King, fucking hell. Hail to England, the Imperial version, 2019. They're coming out the 30th of May, both of them. I know Interglora, I think, had a rush... No, it was Hail to, the, Hail to England had a rush production. I think that it's, from start to finish, got written and recorded in, like, nine days, something bizarre like that. Um, on their website, it does have the story of why, but I can't remember the top of my head. It's all... The, the fluff they put with the album release does have the stories, but it's also got... A, bunch of wacky shit which is like in theme like in kayfabe for man of war it's like the ultimate brutality of album number two and all its majestic godliness and like all right joey just take a fucking step back but you know they it's it's what we come to love them for but as long as well as re-recording or remastering into glory ride and hail to england at the on the same day they are releasing the final battle part one and that's going to be a series uh, of well it's going to be a trilogy of eps and that's basically going to be the final album as you can tell by final battle blah blah blah, blah. on the again on the fluff it's got a breakdown of track listings as far as i'm aware they haven't actually released a song from it yet or any of the albums coming out excuse me but yeah, uh, um, I'm trying to think what else from the fluff. The other two album, other two EPs will come out later on in the year. But for now, on the 30th of May, it's going to be really busy for anyone who's a fan of Manowar. You've got Interglory Ride and Peel Edition 2019 and Hail to England Fear Edition 2019 and Final Battle Part 1 EP with 2 and 3 coming out later this year, at which point I imagine Manowar will ride off into a fiery sunset. And last bit of album news before we move on to album reviews. Sabaton, just before I, I think uh, literally five minutes after I spent out a tweet saying, oh yeah, I can't record today. Sabaton came out with the news that they have a new album on the way. It's called The Great War, despite the fact I've written down The Great Way. It's coming out 19th of July and based on the name and based on the cover up, which is a man in an old World War One uniform kneeling down in the middle of a battlefield crying. I feel like it's going to be about World War One. I might be wrong, it might be space battles, but my money's on World War One. So, uh, lots of good news if you're a Palmetto fan, actually. Noticing that. But then we're all Palmetto fans, right? We all should be. Album reviews for this week, then. 
Mildly different from power metal. Uh, we're going to start with Karanir. Karanir? Karanir. It's a weird second part of name. Uh, they've got... See, this is where I'm not very good at these things. It's called part three slash part four. But unlike, because they did part one, part two, years and years, years ago, they released them separately and then put them together. Don't know if it's going to be seen for this. So far, I've just seen it as the one. And this one is pretty fucking good. It is their fifth complete album from the boys from Arlington, Texas. And another part where it gets a little bit weird. So when I was doing my little research about Karanir, they were often described as black and screamo with, you know, like, it's like post-black kind of thing. And you've got some grind in there as well. And their early material sort of is more representative of that. So, um, I can't remember what it. So I did have a brief gander at their back catalogue. And Perpetual Despair is a human condition and guilt, of it, uh, guilt and his reflection. I remember being very, very black metal and very aggressive um, and very, very necro, very, very, very extreme metal. This though, part three, part four, and something that a lot of other people have picked up on is it's a lot more of a detour. There is, it's weird to say it's a lot no, I'm not going to say I was going to say it's a lot softer sound. It's not, because at the end, this is very brutal, blackened screamo. It's still heavy as shit. There was a lot more... For me, there was a lot more hardcore in this. And when I first started listening to it, I kind of thought, oh, it's like a mix between sixth and being as an ocean. And I was fucking way off. Um, but the, the thought process I had was... For sixth, it was like the energy and pace and... Especially in Penance, it's quite erratic and quite mathy. And then with the being as an ocean side of it, it was just more the melodic hardcore kind of emotion, soundscape, and just, I guess, ambiance of the record. Going back to that opener, Penance, uh, it's the best kind of opener, in my opinion, because it includes all the, well, nearly all the styles of music and all the different experiments that they want to go for. And it's something like, Two guys, it's Chris Francis and Gary Brent, so mad props for just for having being a duo with having a sound this big. But it it opens with this big, chaotic, like mathy uh, screamo mess that it's got like a wonderful, wonderfully subtle uh, black metal riff just like tucked away in the back. And I don't know, it just tickled me every time I heard it because I thought it was fucking great. And from there, it does eventually lead into a bit more of an emotional break. It's not quite post-rock, but it's still quite like ambient and floaty. And I know I use the word floaty way too much on here, but it's how it is. And then after that, they do a great job of kind of like merging those two ends. You've got like quite a big, uh, I'm trying to, <laughs> I've written down floaty again. I'm trying to think of another word, but basically a big like, Flowy, that's what that's a different word. A big flowy riff with the echoed backing vocals with just like the extremity of the drums still there and still knocking you on your ass. And when the album is at that heavier end, that's kind of the formula it goes with. It's a again floaty yet a really brutal sound of post black metal, but with 
I've written down refined. I'm not quite sure I agree with that word, but more structured. That's basically the same word. More like structured, refined song togetherness. That's more encompassing of like melodic hardcore. That was a butchered sentence. I'm very sorry. Where it becomes super interesting, though, is when the songs go deep into those experiments that Chris and Gary really want to go for. So Humanity Lost is where I'm sticking, I'm like guarding the flagpole on the hill, where it's more melodic hardcore, like by end of Being as an Ocean and Touche Mori. Um, it's whimsically weird. It is out there for the most part. It's got like this plinky plonky kind of guitars that are carried by this like like really cool really rolling drum beat and then every now and again it breaks out into this full afi style gothic punk rock kind of thing you got a song like treason which sounds like someone's taking a full six to seven minute long post-rock song and just condensed it into this two minute long song which is somewhere between I kind of compared it somewhere in the middle of Converge and Birds in Row. And for me personally, the peak comes on Choke. That's where, like, all the other songs, going on to, like, that band camp and reading a little bit about, about how the album was made, all the other songs were completed for, in between October 2017 and January 2019, with the exception of Choke, which was... February 2014 to November 2017. So, if my maths is correct, it makes Choke the first song written for the album, and it also puts it around the time of the splits they made with Kazanbaum and Kaina. And, oh, oh, sorry, and also around the time of Petrol Despair is the human condition, which I, I, I won't say I listened to all of those releases in full but the little drips and drops of her it is a very all quite black metal releases whereas this kind of isn't this is very not black metal in fact it is relaxed it is a bass led electronic song um it's overlay with these really eerie clean vocals which so i think looking at their band lineup now i think this might be a full gary brent solo song which it's like I was comparing it to more modern end of Nine Inch Nails because they have got more um, again not ambient but a more dreamier cloudy more expansive kind of sound that is for me a bit more reminiscent of modern Nine Inch Nails if it's not clear already I did enjoy this album um I know I've said bits about post-black metal before in terms of it can be quite easy to be lost up in the mix. Personally, going through their back catalogue, I don't think they were ever in danger of that. I think they were a raw and aggressive enough that they would stay away from the the the. Uh, if I say the bigger sounding stuff, it sounds cruel on Carnia, but when you think of post-black metal, you do think of like a death heaven or a harakiri for the sky kind of huge sounding very long-winded blackmail whereas the bits of this it kind of sounds like a less industrial version of an on the thrack but i do prefer 
part three, part four to any of that purely because it has it feels more ingrained in punk, which I'm always going to be a bit more of a fan of. So but that's just obviously with everything here. It's my own personal thing. I reckon from the more post-black kind of side of things, or if you like the more black metal kind of music and a bit more expansive, um, Bossa Denaga or Bossa Dene, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it, I think would be good company with Karanir. Also, when it comes to like the big... Excuse me, I'll keep dying a little bit. When it comes to the fatter, more decadent sounding... I'm just making up words. Hardcore where it's not just your flat like DB or that sort of thing. There's a lot more going on. There's a lot more experimentation. There's a lot more sounds going on. Birds in Row and Svalbard also group up in here. So Boss of the Nago, Birds in Row, Svalbard. Any of those. If you like Screamo, Black and Screamo just in general, Karanir Part 3, Part 4 will be the one for you. <sighs> One day I will master enough English language that I can think while speaking. Anyway, moving on to the second album for this week, and it is the debut solo album from the Lamb of God guitarist Mark Morton. It is called Anesthetic. It is the latest guitarist vanity project, which they're allowed to do. Who am I to judge? Uh, along the lines of. I guess to a lesser extent Probot, but that first Slash album, the Tremonti project in general. And I am mildly familiar with Lamb of God. I'm very familiar with their sound. For me, at the moment, they are more of a greatest hits kind of band. I've never... The only album I've probably gone into is one I can't remember the name of. Is it King? No, it wasn't. I'm going to look it up what I'm thinking, but... The point I was going to make was the only the only album I've really gone to for Lamb of God is an album that doesn't really get talked about a lot. And my favourite song by Lamb of God is that last song on there, which again, no one ever really talks about. It was Resolution, of course it was Resolution. And like the main song from that one was Ghost Walking, which I really enjoyed. But again, I very rarely hear people talk about it. Most people talk about Wrath or... What's that other one called? Sacrament? Sacrament. Like my favourite um, LOG song, it's not like, although Redneck is a great song and Ghost Walking was a great song, King Me is like symphonic groove metal behemoth kind of song. That's 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 what I go for in my limo god, apparently. And so, and from like listening to like other limo god songs and seeing them, um, live videos of them, I kind of had an idea of well, I thought I had an idea of what to expect from a Mark Morton solo album. It is some way different to what I was expecting. You can still tell it's Morton on guitars. He's got a very distinct style of playing. And he's also got a very distinct tone, which is very reminiscent of, or very, a big characteristic, I should say, of the Lamb of God overall sound. But here, I feel like because it's his own project and he can be, he can do what he wants to do. It's a little bit more restrained, so he can be a bit more versatile with it. Like, I'll talk about how he's gone a bit bluesy with it and having that kind of LOG guitar sound on blues just probably would not work. Like the, You've still got like the heavier end of things, so you've got songs like Cross Off and The Never, which tap into kind of more of what I was expecting. It's fast, heavy guitars with that rolling drum beat in the background. But 
as I said before, there is a lot of blues style stuff coming on. You've got Axis with uh, Mark Lanigan. It's a quite a heavy blues rock kind of song. It reminded me of the Rebel Meets Rebel project, which was Dimebag, Rex, and Vinnie Paul from Pantera with Mike Williams, I think. Some like country star or country singer and they basically did like a southern groove metal blues album and it was different it was very weird and axis are still like for me in that sort of boat it's got times where the guitars do pick up and it is a bit more of a rock song but for the verses it is a more like chilled low-end sort of bluesy sort of thing and reveal with neymar maddox which who is a really really great vocalist in this taps in more to that like really chilled blues kind of thing in terms of the actual individuals on this on the album i said before when the song came out and i listened to it the first time cross off is the best chester bennington sounded since minister midnight like towards what is now the latter half of his career he Obviously, Linkin Park in general just got, um, went with that softer sound and more pop oriented sound, so he changed his voice accordingly. And the one thing I always found quite interesting is in a lot of interviews, especially with Mike Shinoda, he would always talk about how much Chester hated screaming now and how it just like hurt his voice and whatever. To hear him in like 2019, like even if he was still if he was still with us, to hear him do screams like that. It's staggering enough. It's it's, I, for him to be on an album like this anyway was a huge surprise. For him to still be screaming is an even bigger one. I would have thought if he's, if Mark Morton was prepared to go with like the more low end kind of bluesy sort of sound with Neymar and Mark, Lanigan, excuse me, I'm like I would have expected him to do that with Chester as well. But no, Chester went with more heavier. Not quite, well, that's, like I've said before, I think this is probably one of the closest songs to the elegy sound that there are on the al- that there is on the album. And yeah, I thought it was still now a fantastic song, Cross Off. Uh, it's nice to hear, not a similar sort of vibe, it's nice to hear Jacoby Shaddix on a guitar-heavy song again. That Who Do You Trust album earlier this year still boggles my mind. It is such a mental album. Please go listen to it and realise how mental it is. It's got two, well, no. 80 second long hardcore punk song in the middle of it all. I don't know why. It's not a cover. It's just there. It is just there. Uh, Chuck Billy and Jake Oni do a... I think it's Oni. Oni? Oni? Me Oni? Jake. They do a really good pairing on The Never. A nice little trailer between them. And I went in... Because I recognised the name Jake Oni. And I ended up recognising his band, also called Oni. And I was like, why have I never listened to them? And I turned them on and they are everything I don't like about prog music. Which, if you like that kind of thing, like Oni and Dream Theater and that kind of thing, fair enough. But it's definitely not for me. I've talked about prog music before, it's not for me. But for him to use his like lower gruffy end for pretty much all the song, I think was a very, very smart decision for music like this. I was initially quite down on Save Defiance with Miles Kennedy from Alter Bridge. Now, like it's properly grown on me. It had, uh, which is completely not what I've written in my notes. It has grown on me. I still would prefer if it had more 
Lamo God style guitar for me. It, just, it still just sounds like a heavy Alterbridge song, but Miles Kennedy can make any sound, any song sound incredible because he is indeed incredible. And bless him, Josh Todd does his best impersonation of Jacoby Shaddix in his song Back from the Dead, which is really awkward considering Jacoby is also on this album. To put in perspective how bad that Back from the Dead song is with Josh Todd from Buck Cherry. What's the lyric? I can't remember the whole the, the lyric in context, but the lyric, there's definitely a lyric in the song that goes, it was a sticky situation that we, I think that we found ourselves in. But definitely, it's a sticky situation. And that that line should not exist in any form of music, not even modern pop, but bubblegum pop. It's woeful. He should feel ashamed. I don't know who wrote the lyrics. It might have even been Morton himself, which, sorry mate, you've done a oopsie on there, but my fucking God, bad. And having said that, and potentially like shooting a level Mark in his lyric writing ability, one of the best vocal performances on this album is from Mark himself. He's lead singer on a song called Imaginary Days. And his voice isn't quite what I expected it, it to sound like, but then off my own accord, I didn't really know what I was expecting from him. It's a lot, it's a higher register. He reminds me of an old school rock singer. But the problem is, I can't remember which one. Which is really fucking helpful. I, I'm aware for any form of review. But I highly recommend that you listen to the song. Well, hit listen to the whole album. But listen to the song Imaginary Days. And please get back to me what you think it sounds like. Because it's driving me insane. If you are... If you're a fan of Tremontics. I kind of like alluded to him before. I think there's crossover between this and Tremonti. If you like Killer Be Killed, which was a big super group with, fuck, so many people. Max Cavalero, Greg Pichardo, Troy Sanders, the drummer for Mars Volta, who I can't remember. And I think that was it. I feel like there was a fifth, but I might be wrong. So yeah, Tremonti, Killer Be Killed, also Five Finger Death Punch, purely because there is a lot of, it's a very American rock kind of album, this, or American metal kind of album, that's anesthetic. So I imagine... It probably won't do as well over here in Blighty, but it's still a fun album nonetheless. Obviously, always make your own decision. I'm just here as a medium, I guess. I don't know why I'm here. But yeah, Tremonti, Killer Be Killed, or Five Finger Death Punch, I think. If you're a fan of those bands, you should have a look at the debut solo album from Lamb of God's guitarist, Mark Morting, and it is called Anesthetic. If nothing else, look for that cross-off song with Chester Bennington, because it's really fucking good, and it's a really nice thing to remember him by, along with everything you do with Linkin Park. So the album reviews for this week, Mark Morton and Karanir, hope you enjoyed them. We're going to move on now to the open mic segment, because I know we're all a fan of that one. The album is called Of Seismic Consequence by a Chicago avant-garde metal band called Yakuza. It came out in 2010. It was their fifth release and acted as the follow-up to 2007's Transmutations. I found out about Yakuza, and this is going back some years. I started to get Metal Hammer magazine in roughly about 2010. And I vaguely remember the first issue I got was the front cover had Vil Vile on the front as the Mad Hatter. It's become one of the more iconic issues. But somewhere along the way, I don't know if it was that particular issue or a further one, but at some point... They talked about, obviously, they've got their album review section. And I found an 8 out of 10 album in there, and it was called Of Seismic Consequence. 
by Yakuza, and it brought me it, it got my attention for the fact that the album art is just a nebula. It's, well, it's just that it's just a nebula, and it looked really eye-catching because it's like wonderfully colourful. They've centered in the like point of the star or middle of the star, or whatever it is. I don't know much about space, and yeah, it really gripped me. And they talked like had high praises for the album. I did my best as what I could do at the time to try and find anything from the album and the best the only song I could find was Stones and Bones which is album oh, album which is track number three and I had that song bouncing around various like musical libraries that I have ever since that's nine years nearly ten years of just this one song from this album from a band that I've they're, they're kind of hard to find obviously they're the name of a big a big thing in Japan, also a video game and such. But I just, this is just one song, just one wonderfully great song, just like moking around in my music library. And I think it's high time I finally get in. Now that I'm also starting to convert to Spotify as well, would probably be a good time to do that. And one of the good things I like doing about um, Open Mic is it gives me a chance to try and find out about albums that I've missed other way. Ones from big bands and ones from bands that I somehow semi-missed. It's a weird one, I'm fully aware. Saxophones and music, more recently, and I think I've said about them in the past, have been making quite the comeback, especially in the last 10 years or so. So for me, I started noticing it properly with the Norwegian Shining. Uh, Jorgen Monkabee, he's, I've said it before, he is my man crush, I will happily state it. Animal, we won't talk about, but from Black Jazz up until International Black Jazz Society, that run of albums are just incredible. And also as well, Jorgen does go, Jorgen, sorry, does go and guest on a lot of other albums. He's worked with Ishan, he's worked with Marty Freeman. And some, oh, he even worked with Apple Leaf Studios. I can't remember the guy's name, but it's Apple Leaf Studios. They do a lot of um, popular song covers. They did Feel Good. And I think he worked with them on Careless Whisper, I think. And he got, I think they did it in an airport and they got told the fuck off by the police. So it's fun. But yeah, with, oh, fuck. With Jorgen, there's also, you, you've got Psy, the um, Taiwanese metal band. They've got. Dr. McCannibal, I believe her name is, who's a um, saxophonist. And more modern um, examples, you've got Flirties, which is a lot different than Shining and Psy. And you've also got the excerpts as well. And I think Black Peach dabble in a bit of sax on their album too. So there is a lot of bands who are playing around with saxophones and making it part of the sound and just overall making it look like a cool thing. Kind of what Apocalyptica did a few years ago with the cello. But before any of those guys, you had Yakuza. And the sax, they haven't, they don't, they, listen to this album, they don't use it on every single possible track, but they know when and where it should be used. So they can use it as, they use it as a solo for songs like Stones and Bones, they use it as a main riff, I believe, top of my head, in songs like Be That As It May and Farewell To The Flesh, that it is what carries the song as opposed to the guitars and Bruce Lamont he is he is a saxophonist he knows and he's got that mindset of having 
of knowing when to use it. And from that, he's also worked in the band Bloodiest. He has worked with Nathmistium, Psy themselves, and Pelican. So he knows, he has got this big reputation. He was the Jorgen Monkey before Jorgen Monkey kind of guy. And so there's this very heavy side of the album, as well as this very deeply ethereal side of the album. Um, you've got the slow build of Ant People, which is one of the more long, drawn-out, opening kind of songs. It doesn't really go anywhere, but it just sort of acts as, I guess, acts as the intro for the album. And then it bursts in with Thinning the Herd. And you've got Lamont's steering vocals, this really twitchy rift from guitarist Matt McClelland, which is undercut by the really filthy bass tone from Ivan Cruz. And then altogether, that's heckled i guess by their own drummer james staffel for this like very crash heavy drum beat in the background it's all very jazzy it's all very progressive it's very mastodon-y you kind of get like the both ends of mastodon you've got the really heavy erratic like march to the fire end side of things at the start and then it goes some more like steam breather kind of thing towards like the halfway point oh sorry more towards the middle sorry at midway point is where it gets really fucking black metal for some reason like I never, it took me, I don't know, three, four listens to realise that there is this fully like tremelo black metal kind of riff in the middle of everything. It's just tucked away. It's just hidden. It's just chilling. It knows what it's doing. In Farewell to the Flesh, you've got this really big 11 minute journey that just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. For me personally, there is too much like warbling effect on Lamont's vocals. I think that's just because they like to play around with a psychedelic sound, like a psychedelic rock sound, which, again, more power to them. It really helps with this whole avant-garde metal sort of thing that they've got going on. It's not for me, personally. But what it allows... Um, sorry, what it allows, and it allows uh, Lamont to show off, like, he's got such a powerful, but such a dark, crooning kind of voice. My immediate comparison was Ozzy on the early Black Sabbath kind of thing, especially the title song, Black Sabbath, where he sort of like croons from part to part. That is very indicative of Lamont's vocal style. Um, but for me, as much as I've gone through and listened to the rest of the album and the songs, like for me, this is a very in the moment kind of album. It's not something that I could properly pick out songs for. You got, you've got good songs on there, like, the Great War and Good Riddance, Knuckle Walkers, they're both fantastic songs. But for me, and I think it is just because it's nine years of us being together, Stones and Bones is an absolute gem of a song. Um, from the start, where it's this really haunting, echoed kind of voice that Lamont has, and they also put it on McClellan's riff, that's what draw, uh, like drew me in at the time, and still like keeps be coming back after all these years it's such a raw guitar tone i think lamont even though just compared to ozzy he's got such a unique style of voice and as it's got the really psychedelic riff going on you've just got these little shots these little spurts and these little teases of a more heavy like aggressive powerful kind of song that just keeps like sleeping through and um, just like sneaking its way in and then eventually it explodes into the chorus where you've got this huge Dolby drum 
this really powerful, like, organic guitar tone. And the guitar tone on this album is fucking amazing. At, when it's at its, like, quote-unquote metal end, it's as if someone grabbed the guitar from the doors, just plugged in the distortion the cable, and just gone, there you go. It's so psychedelic, it's so bluesy, but it is so extremely visceral as well. It's, oh, Italian french finger kissing that's how good it is um and the riff on stones and bows is like at its core i think i might be completely wrong and if i do you the service mcclellan i'm so sorry it's quite a simple riff but with the sound that he's got from the guitars it sounds so evil it sounds so nasty and just oofed it just sounds like it wants to beat you up and steal your money which i'm all about if i had money and the scream that leads into... That was the thing that really got me, actually. Now I've seen it written down. The scream that leads into, like, the really psychedelic outro. Where you've got... Like, the saxophone is really prominent in the music now. It's more like a doom metal kind of thing in the background. With all these effects. And you are... Like, it was at this point where I thought... The album art, which, again, a nebula. It really makes sense because that's kind of how it is. It's sort of like vast emptiness sort of thing, but with so much going on at the same sort of time. But the screen that leads into that, it could have totally made or break the song. Like this low end croon after everything. The like actuary bit where it is like you're lost in the wasteland. It is the screen that goes into it all. It's very divinationsy by Mastodon. Which I would never like for like, comparing album. Um, excuse me, for comparing other artists in a bit. I haven't compared them to Mastodon, even though I keep going on about them. But just the way they are, like Mastodon, are a very popular example of jazz infused metal. Whereas Yakuza, they're also doing it, doing it as well. They just haven't got the same kind of um, stance, if you will. Or presence, I should say. This was, as a whole, like taking away Stones and Bones, this was an enjoyable but quite difficult album. Uh, psychedelic music, it's not in the same kind of lane as prog music, which I feel like there's so much is going on at the same sort of time, or post, post-rock music, but I am, it's very close, it's closer to the post-rock sort of thing because I'm always waiting for the song to properly explode like with stones and bones it's got that really eclectic psychedelic kind of riff but then it does explode into this like really big heavy chorus and i'm always waiting for that in psychedelic music so it's very like picky with me but if it's if psychedelic and like more dreamy or doomy kind of stuff is what you're into i highly recommend uh, this kind of thing it's hard to tell if Yakuza are still going. Everywhere I've read online says they are still active, but the last thing they released was the follow-up to Off Seismic Consequence, and it's called Bail, uh, B-E-Y-U-L. That came out in 2012. But since then, all different members of the band have been busy. You've got Bruce, who's, again, saxophonist and vocalist. He has been like, most busiest, I think. He's formed a sludge metal project called Bloodiest, or he's in a sludge metal project called Bloodiest, I should say. He's in an experimental industrial, I'm going to call it a super group because it's got some big names in there. He's working with Scott Kelly from Neurosis and Mike Nine Williams, 
who is a solo artist in his own right, has also worked with Phil Anselmo for Arson Anthem. And more recently, he's performed Brain Tentacles with a gentleman who I did not write down because I thought I can remember it, and I don't. Which is a lot more avant-garde, jazz, rock kind of thing. Kind of like Yakuza, but on more drugs. Uh, guitarist Matt McClelland, he has in a black and death metal album, death metal band I should say, called Sons of Famine. Ivan Cruz, the bassist, is in a jazz, a big jazz group. Like I tried to count down all the names and I got confused. It's called La Pieuvre, I think. It means the octopus in French. I'm not very good at French. I had bad experience with French teachers. But more jazzy in the things, if you like this kind of bass work, look at that. And James Staffel was the one who really confused me. He is the drummer, and he plays for a band called Rollo Tomasi. But not that one. Apparently there's also a Chicago post-hardcore band called Rollo Tomasi with two L's, so... It fucking confused the shit out of me, and I got very excited very briefly, but... If there's like a layer of this album, and there are so many different layers, this is a Shrek of albums. If there's a layer of this album that you want to go for, check out any of the, those um, projects and those bands. You'll probably find what you're looking for amongst them. For comparison's sake, I've thrown Black Peaks in there for the more proggy kind of things, where they can go from quite delicate sound to this big, raging kind of noise. Um, that mid-period that I always go on about for the Norwegian Shining, so that's Black Jazz, 111, and I feel like I'm missing one. International Black... Talk about yourself, because I've forgotten the band that I go on about all the time, how their albums go, and I can't spell because I'm using one hand. Do-do-do. Do-do-do-do. Nope, I was, I was right. Kind of. Well, I was right. I was definitely right. It's Black Jazz, 111, International Black Jazz Society, though that run of three albums where it is the aggressive, proggy kind of music with that sax. Probably more towards 111 and International Black Jazz Society. They're closer to the Yakuza sound. And also Brain Tentacles, which I know is another project by Lamont. But, like I said before, it is very trippier more fast-paced version of yakuza i think so yeah brain tentacles the norwegian shining black peaks like any of those go for yakuza they are a weird jazzy avant-garde metal band from chicago and i think stones and bones is possibly one of the greatest songs i've ever listened to so there we go i hope you've enjoyed this week's episode that is it uh, I know it's been a bit all over the place, but this week has been weird. Next week? What have I got planned for next week? Um, Something. Something is happening next week. Probably. Maybe. I'm not quite sure. I've forgotten the name of the album. And I'm getting out of the habit of like promising albums next week because the amount of times I've gone, yeah, let's do that. And I thought, ah, oh, fuck, I haven't listened to it enough. So I'll be back next week either way. Thank you very much for listening, and yeah, feel free to get in touch with usual methods. I am everywhere on social media. Until then, goodbye.